Psalm 32 is on page 624 in the prayer book. Four. <clears throat> Happy are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is put away. While I held my tongue, my bones withered away because of my groaning all day long. For your hand was heavy upon me day and night. My moisture was dried up as in the heat of summer. <clears throat> then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my guilt. I said, I will confess my Therefore, all the faithful will make their prayers to you in time of trouble. When the great waters overflow, they shall not reach them. You are my high grace. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like horse or mule, which have no understanding, who must be fitted with bit and bridle. Great are the tribulations of the wicked, but mercy embraces those who trust in the Lord. Be glad to be righteous and rejoice in the Lord. Shout for joy, all who are A reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned, sin was indeed in the world before the law. But sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgressions of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many were made righteous. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. After Jesus was baptized, he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all this I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, please be seated. The Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem is built on the place believed to be Golgotha, the site of Christ's crucifixion. 
The actual spot is the top of a huge boulder. Some people say that the stone itself, the rock itself is skull shaped, but beneath it at lower ground level within the church is a small chapel with a stone recess called the Chapel of Adam. For Golgotha means the place of the skull. And the legend here is that the skull was Adam's. So that the tomb of the man who brought sin into the world is directly below the place where Christ died for us, the man who redeemed us from this sin and breathed his last. It's a very visual experience, a very um, deep experience to visit because you go up to that spot and then you can come down and see where they um, imagine, believe that Adam's skull had been buried. This may not be historically accurate, but it does speak to a symmetry which has a long and deep tradition in the Christian story. The passage from St. John's letter to St. Paul's letter to the Romans this morning summarizes a central message of Christianity. I'm going to put it very crudely here. Adam and the unnamed Eve, bad. Jesus, good. Many of us learned as children that Jesus has come to fix things after the disaster of the fall. We drew pictures of pretty apple trees and sinister snakes, or Eve handing an apple to Adam, and the result, expulsion, alienation, an unhappy exodus two cartoon characters looking chagrined. And I have to tell you, I checked Google Images yesterday and I came up with those same pictures. They are still in circulation, but they are a two-dimensional version of a complex story. They tell us some key dramatic points, but they don't tell us the deep story behind that. Eve and Adam start out in a beautiful garden where creation is in balance and all their needs are met. They are equal partners formed from and for and with one another in right relationship with God. The only thing missing is an awareness of their good fortune. This is just how things are. This is just all they know. Now, our lives may not be perfect like that, but perhaps we're invited to see ourselves in this story. What blessings do we have that we take for granted? How much goodness is there? And how are we tempted? How are we fallen? We know the wily pull and promise of temptation at various times. The voice, whether from outside or from inside ourselves, which urges that something is really okay. Hearing the voice is one thing, but turning towards the voice is another. Maybe Eve doesn't fall when she takes the apple or when she gives the apple to Adam. Maybe her fall occurs when she turns to the tree with new eyes, seeing not the tree that God has shown her and spoken to her about, but a different tree, 
one she now desires in a new way. She chooses the effect of the serpent's words over God's. The Genesis reading ends with Eve and Adam's eyes being opened to know that they are naked and their fumbling efforts to cover their shame with fig leaves. God may expel them from paradise in a few verses hence, but at this moment, they've already left it. They have othered God by their disobedience. Now they are othering their own bodies, feeling shame about something we were told in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, was made in God's image. And the next thing that happens, if we all remember the story, will be the blame game. What could be more othering than pointing at someone else and saying, it's their fault, they did it, they made me. Here are people in need of grace and repentance. Their feet haven't moved, but they have already left paradise. They're gone. In the second story of temptation that we heard this morning, Jesus appears as far as possible from Eden as we can imagine. Alone in the wilderness, he has fasted for 40 days and nights. None of his physical needs have been met. His tempter comes to him when he is at his weakest point. As Eve does, he listens to what the tempter promises, but then he responds differently. And one commentator notes that Jesus hardly uses words of his own throughout that encounter. The commentator suggests that having emptied himself so completely, Jesus can barely think or speak. And so he falls back on God's word. He draws from the deep well of Deuteronomy, that book we were looking at a couple of weeks ago that was written for a people in exile who needed to strengthen themselves for the return to right relationship with God. In each case, the temptation has the appearance of reason. It feeds into Jesus's and our own desires. Do you want bread? Of course he does. Of course we do. But God is the source of good bread, the bread of life. Do you want God's power to be known? Of course he does. Of course we do. But Jesus uses miracles not to show off, but to bring God's kingdom into view. Think of the miracles we know so well, healing the sick, feeding the hungry, rising to new life, and revealing himself in secret to those who are chosen as his apostles. Apostles, He lives into the kingdom in his miracles. Ah, but what about power? How much better we know the world and how it should be run. And wouldn't that be great? And I'm sure Jesus could do an even better job than we could. But we also know that the God whom we serve is beyond human image. God is not the pinnacle of a power pyramid, but a power which calls for a profound mutuality so that as God promises in Deuteronomy, 
it may go well with you in the land. And when he says you, he means everybody. Christ seeks no earthly power, but points to the power of God's kingdom in which we all have an equal share. Finally, Jesus uses his own words, away with you, Satan. And then after Satan disappears, angels come and attend him. In his last emptying of himself, God fills him. And Eve and Adam? St. Paul describes how one couple's sins affected all the generations to follow. But we need to be cautious about how we relate to the sins of the past. Identifying too closely can be as unhealthy as distancing ourselves from them. Let our yes be yes and our no be no. When there are reparations to be made, the repair of relationships, the repair of justice, the repair of our own hearts, truth to be spoken, let us bend towards that. But beyond that, to punish ourselves or live in shame is to deny God's grace, to clutch at fig leaves of our own making. Genesis 3 says that after God declares to Eve and Adam the consequences of their sin, and before they leave Eden, the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife and clothed them. Even in that moment, God has compassion for humanity and remains in relationship. We too are, are invited to open our hearts to the mercy that is offered. As we begin our Lenten journey, may we strengthen ourselves to trust fully in God's goodness and to show compassion to one another. Amen. Amen.